Good morning. Hey, do me a favor. You got a key or should have gotten a key when you came in. If you just take a moment right now as you guys are just uh, as we're organized for this morning, get a pen or pencil out or borrow one from someone around you and just put your name on that. I'll tell you what we'll do with those a little later, but um, if you just take a few moments and make that happen. Grab a pen or a pencil. This is a great way to get to know the people sitting around you. I know it's assigned seating, so it's like I still haven't talked to that girl next to me. So this is a great, this is a great way. Introduce yourself. All right, great, awesome. A few weeks ago, uh, Pastor Zach kind of uh, unveiled, well, kind of, he did, he unveiled our theme for this semester, which is called Not a Fan. And since then, he's been challenging us, and we've had other speakers in here, challenging us to evaluate our relationship with Christ, asking the question, are we a fan, are we a follower? And this morning, i really like to expand on that perspective a little bit. But to do that, I need to make an admission, and that is, uh, you need to understand that I'm kind of a TV renovation junkie. Um, and you need to understand that about me, meaning that, now, I, I'm, not, I'm not one of those people that eats Twinkies and drinks Yoo-Hoo in their basement, binge-watching all of these shows that are going on, but I know when I go to a doctor's office, I purposely go and sit so I can see the TV with the renovation thing on it, because I like, I, I just, I like those shows. And, and there's tons of them to choose from. If you get on the, the network cable or TV, uh, HDTV and so on, I mean, just tons and tons. Fixer to Fabulous, Tiny House Nation, Flip Flop, Lux for Less. I mean, you, you name it, it's out there. Renovations, hundreds to choose from. You actually grew up in a time that there were just dozens and dozens and dozens of renovation programs to choose from. But I have to admit, and this is an age issue, I remember when there was just one. There was one renovation show. And actually, uh, actually, a few of us may even remember further back, at the, the, the oldest one I can think of, which was actually not a renovation show, but if anyone knows they're going to show their age, was this old house. Um, you know, but that was more of a fixer-upper kind of show. Um, the, real, the, the real juggernaut of the renovation shows that started was a show called Trading Spaces. Uh, it, it first aired in 2000, so again, most of you weren't even, weren't even around back then. Uh, I just remember the first lady and I, the first lady and I, every Friday night, we would sit down. That was our, like, date night. Trading Spaces was our date night. Make some popcorn, uh, get some tea, and go sit and watch Trading Spaces. And it was an interesting show, uh, because this one really started the entire movement of all these renovation shows, and it was based on a very simple principle. What happened is two sets of neighbors or two sets of friends would get together and they would trade keys. And in trading keys, what they had is the ability to enter into one another's homes to renovate a space in the home. Basically, they had a $1,000 budget, two days, a designer and a shared carpenter, and the whole point was that they could go in and do anything in that space. Now, according to the show, 
prior to people going into their home, they could designate what they could or couldn't do. Like if I had a fireplace, don't ruin my fireplace, you know, or don't do this to this wall. So they, they had some control of what happened, but the idea is once they traded keys and that other uh, friends or the other neighbors went in, there was two days they could do anything to the home and their, 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 the, the owners couldn't come back and see it until they revealed it after two days. And I'll tell you, some of them, if you ever get a chance, go back and watch some of these. They were pretty, tar- like one was a straw wall. They made a wall of straw. Uh, and the people, you just, the lady walks in at the end, she's like, this is, this is terrible. Um, but that was the show, all right? Trading spaces. Now, Ty Pennington, who was the carpenter on this show, helped launch another show called Extreme Makeover, which was the next major one that came out on network television. Extreme Makeover was totally different than Trading Spaces. Where in Trading Spaces, it was about giving in your keys so that you can go in and and just deal with one space, like the living room uh, or or, or bedroom. Extreme Makeover focused on a family that many times had great need. And they would, uh, I just remember the shows would begin where the, the whole community comes together. It's early in the morning and they'd be like, Hey, Favara family, wake up, and everyone runs out, and they see, and the whole town's here to do an extreme makeover of their home. Many times, even to the point that during the show, the family who has been sent away, they gave their keys over, and then they were sent away, they would watch in video as that, and that's why they got the big tractor trailer in the background, they would go and demolish the complete, like, that's where we were living and it was completely demolished, gone, nothing left, because it was a, thank, thank you for the two people that did that thing. Yeah, it was an extreme makeover. That was the whole point. Different shows around the same time with two different ideas, both dealing with renovation. And so what I would like to do this morning is really talk to you a little bit about these two concepts as we apply them to this, this idea that, uh, that we're wrestling with this, with this fan followership thing. Um, because I would contend to you or assert to you that many of us or our lives here at Central Christian College is a lot like trading spaces. Now what I mean by that is You've come into the college and you've kind of, in essence, given the key over to us to allow us to come in and kind of do some renovation. You know, uh, you sit in, sit in Dr. Anderson's course and he's teaching about philosophy. And so you kind of given him the key to speak into your life. And maybe he does some renovation, little renovation of your philosophy. He helps you rethink some things, all right? Not, not big changes, just a few changes here and there. Many of you participate in athletics, and, and so you've kind of done the same thing with your coaches. You've allowed your coaches to, you've given the keys over a little bit so they can kind of maybe work with your stance or your, strate- your defensive strategy or something like that. And so you've kind of turned over the keys a little bit. Does that make sense? And you allow people to come in and speak into your life and to do things in your life and to, to basically do these little remodels or these renovations. Well, I would take that a little bit further and say that even though you're here at Central Christian College and you kind of 
display it like a trading space is. Many of you are already in relationship with Christ in some way, but you kind of live in Christ like trading spaces too. Meaning that we're, we're okay with Christ. I mean, I get it. Christ, I get what he's trying to do and who he is. We're fans of Christ, as Pastor Zach would say. However, we tend to want to interact with Christ on our own terms. Perhaps we, we invite him in. Yeah, Jesus, it's, it's all right, you come in. But we constrain him to the areas that we want him to fix. Or we constrain him to the areas that we want to reveal to him. We, we like the idea that God, oh, God, you want to come in and do some transformation? That's great, but don't mess with everything, all right? Let me tell you what room you can be in. So we kind of get into this, like, negotiation with Christ, giving him the keys, but not really giving him control. We allow him to renovate, but we really don't allow him to do a makeover. And, and there's, there's a bunch of different ways that we do this in our life. I mean, a lot of us like to give God, I, I call it giving God the easy stuff. You know, like I, I, I can do a little community service, God, that's, that's great. I can do that. I can say a prayer before a meal or something like that. That's, that's easy. But, but don't ask me to make like lifestyle changes. Stay out of that. You know, don't, don't, don't go there. Or, or, we, or we give God the, what, what I call the religious stuff, you know, the, the stuff that's already his anyway. Like, like I, can, I can go sing a hymn on Sunday morning if I have to. I could attend chapel because I'm supposed to. I, I could give that to God. But don't ask me to deal with other things. So we keep God at a distance. Or, or maybe we give God the bad stuff. Like, I, I don't mind asking God to come into my life and fix things up when things are going bad. But then when he starts pushing in too much, I'm kind of like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? And that's, that's a trading spaces. And look, look, I get it. You could blame it on Jesus. Let's, let's just do that for a moment. Let's just blame it on Jesus. Jesus, I gave you the keys to my life, but I didn't know you were going to, like, come in and try to take over everything. I mean, it's okay to take, I, I want you to fix my relationships, God. I, you know, I, I want you to fix Maybe this problem that I'm having, I want you to fix the way I don't like myself or, or that kind of stuff. But God, what, whoa, 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 you're going into my entertainment room. Like, that's like, let's step down. Don't go in there. Don't go, whoa, whoa, God, you're going in my bedroom. There are things happening in my bedroom that you shouldn't see. And you should stay out. And so we deal with God many times like trading spaces where we want God to take control, or at least we think we do, but we actually don't give him full control. And that's the life of a fan. A follower is at a whole different level, a more extreme level. My, I say a more extreme makeover level. Let's unwrap that just a bit. There's a scripture in Matthew 12. Um, it's originally represented back in Deuteronomy. It's an Old Testament verse that's actually quoted by Jesus in the New Testament. And it's called the Shema. And the Shema was basically the major prayer for the Israelites on following God. How should we follow God? And actually Jesus was asked that very question. How, how you know, in following God, what does that look like? And, and this was the answer. And it comes out of Matthew 12. It says, love the Lord your God with your whole, let's see if we can finish this. Heart, 
with all your, with all your, with all your, yes. Sound familiar? Matthew 12 is well known and it's reflected here at the institution, what we call the core four, right? Heart, mind, soul, and strength, which is really a part of our mission, which is to provide a Christ-centered education for character. And we define that character as, um, as uh, the core four. If that's the vision, you can wait on that for just a second, Zach. Um, it is through the Matthew verse that we understand that God is not just interested in a room of our lives. His plans for us are much more than a mere renovation or a remodel. He's not focused on just a part of you. He's coming in to do an extreme makeover. There's a writer, his name is William Higgins. He says, God wants every part of us, heart, mind, soul, strength, every part of us. He doesn't just want a part of your heart. He wants all of your heart. He doesn't want just a piece of your soul. He wants all of your soul. He doesn't just want a portion of your mind. He wants all of your mind. He doesn't just want a percentage of your strength, but he wants all of your strength. In other words, God wants every part of every part of you. Which, of course, leads to a little question. Why? What gives God the right to demand so much. It's my life. What gives God the right to demand so much? Why does he demand so much? What's the purpose? There are a ton of different answers we could go with. I just want to focus on one, and that's something that I think and believe that you already know. That's, we need it. We need an extreme makeover. Not a renovation, but we need an extreme makeover. Because let's face it, folks, none of us have it all together. We may not want to admit that, all right? But the truth is none of us have it all together. We know it's true just by looking at our own lives and the myriad of ways that we try to cover up the deficiencies. We know that we need at least a renovation because we do that all the time. The reasons that shows like Trading Spaces and Extreme Makeover and all these other shows were so popular is that it speaks to that very part of us that does know that there's something better. Not just at a physical level, but there's something better. There's something deep down where we sense transformation is needed. The self-improvement industry, they know this. It's, it's why they rake in billions of dollars every year. And in response, we just devour all this kind of self-help material and and all these stuff that's out there because we're thirsting for change. We're thirsting for renewal, believing that, hey, if I could just control my anger, you know, if I could just control my addiction, if I could just control my anxiety, then, then I could be fixed and I'd be great and it'd be wonderful. But therein lies the problem. We cannot fix ourselves. We just can't fix ourselves. Humankind has been working on the humanity problem for over 6,000 years. We've gone from room to room, remodeling, revamping, revitalizing, and renovating civilizations, societies, individuals. And while we've been able to send people to the moon, we can map the human genome 
and we can produce right here now the iPhone 15, we fundamentally remain unable to change human nature. We can slap new paint jobs over our brokenness, but underneath it all, humanity has a problem that quite frankly, and I want you to hear this, that only God can fix. And therein lies the problem. Because the level of transformation needed cannot be realized through a trading spaces relationship with Christ. It can't happen that way. Being a fan and asking God to make targeted changes will not fix the fundamental problem that an extreme makeover can. We need an extreme makeover, and there's only one individual that can make it happen. Now, I want to be clear about something here, because there's some of you that I think get the wrong message. If you think that we, meaning Central Christian College, defines transformation as conforming to the rules and regulations of the school, as uh, like articulated in the campus community expectations frame, you are so sorely mistaken. Um, our ultimate interest is to help you see and realize transformation. Does that make sense? Not, not to be conformed, but to be transformed. Asking you to conform to our rules is much more a desire to maintain a safe and supportive campus community that aligns with our denominational heritage. But, but that's central entity, not Christianity. And there's a big difference. Conforming to our standards, actually conforming to any standards, is not the pathway to transformation. Transformation can only occur through faith in Jesus Christ. Being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Being a follower of Jesus Christ, not a fan. Fans attempt renovation by modifying behaviors, by conforming to a standard. Followers experience transformation through the power of a relationship with Jesus Christ. Perhaps it's important now to look at our, our vision statement. I think it will be above us here. And this is a little different. Most of you know the mission statement to provide a Christ-centered education for character. Uh, what many people don't know is our, our vision statement. Our vision statement basically states, Central Christian College aspires to offer what kind of educational experience? Transformative educational experience to any person desiring to become a faithful steward of heart, mind, soul, and strength. That is what we're about here at this college. Being conformed to the rules is vastly different than being transformed by the ruler. Let me take you to Titus, because this is a beautiful passage in Titus. I'm going to look at two scriptures this morning. This is how Titus puts it. Once we too were foolish and obedient. And so he's talking to other believers at this point, all right? We too were foolish and believers. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God, our Savior, revealed his kindness and love, he saved us, not because of anything that we had done, not because we conformed to any rules, but because of his mercy. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life 
through the Holy Spirit. That's an extreme makeover, a total transformation. He generously poured out his spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our, our Lord. And because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. And that's the fundamental problem. We are separated from Christ. We are separated from Christ. Separated. Renovation will not fix that problem. The only way to do it is through extreme makeover, total transformation. We see this echoed in the words of Ephesians 2. There we're told, as for you, speaking to believers again, don't you remember how you used to exist? Corpses, dead in life, buried in transgressions, wandering the course of this perverse world. You were the offspring of the prince of the power of the air. Oh, how he owned you, just as he still controls those living in disobedience. See, it, it's interesting. What the writer's saying there is you, you traded spaces with a designer who only knows death. And therefore, you reaped a rotten renovation. Does that, does that make sense? One of the things you learn about trading spaces uh, is that... Um, the designers weren't always out for the people who own the house. Many times it was about their own design. Where in extreme makeover, it was all about the family. How do we help the family? How do we construct for them something new and great? Over here, you had designers who would come in, and they didn't care about the family. All they cared about is, I want to put pink walls in the living room on the ceiling. Because, oh, it looks cool. And basically what the writer of Ephesians is saying is that you've got the devil as the designer. Oh, those of us who are separated from Christ, ultimately we've got a devil of a designer who's trying to get us to conform to the way that he wants things to happen. And because of that, we continue to exist in death. Now the writer of Ephesians goes on. He says, I'm not talking about the outsiders alone. We were all guilty of falling headlong for the persuasive passions of this world. We have all had our fill of indulging the flesh and the mind, obeying impulses to follow perverse thoughts motivated by dark powers. As a result, our natural inclination let us to be children of wrath, just like the rest of humanity. But then this wonderful line, but God, with the unfathomable richness of his love and mercy, focused on I, I just pause there because you need to understand that in your life at some point and perhaps at all points, but some points we realize this, at some point God points into your life and says, I recognize you and I want to do a great work in your life. I recognize that the enemy has had his way with you but I want to come in and do an extreme makeover. And that's what it says, because that's when it says, but the unfathomable richness of his love and mercy, he focused on us. He, he made us alive with Christ when there was no hope left. He united us with the anointed one and infused our lifeless souls with life 
even though we were buried under mountains of sin. And then the words that follow. He saved us by his grace, for it is by God's grace that you have been saved. You received it through faith. It was not our plan. It wasn't our effort. It wasn't our conformity to any rules. It's God's gift to us, pure, simple. You didn't earn it. There's nothing you needed to do about it other than to receive it. Not one of us did. So none of us can go around bragging that you must have done something amazing or I'm amazing or that I fixed it myself. For why? We are God's masterpiece. He created us anew, tore down the old, rebuilt something new in Christ Jesus. And that's the offer that God has for every one of us. That's the offer that God has for you, even this morning. Unfortunately, when we watch some of these makeover shows, we begin to get the idea that we can DIY ourselves into it, you know, do it yourself, you know. Modern elements such as positive psychology would have you believe that you have the power to shape your destiny. And you know what? They're kind of right. Yes, God has given us the agency and the ability to influence the course of our lives. And while, yes, he has granted us free will and empowered us to live as free moral agents, there are still limitations, not related to our ability to choose, but limitations related to the choices that we can make. Which basically boils down to choose Christ or not to choose him. Now, of course, the world would have us believe that our freedom to choose correlates somehow with our ability to actually shape our existence, both in the now and in eternity. But this is the same lie that, that the devil of the designer gave Adam and Eve, and they fell for it when the enemy applied to Adam and Eve that through the power of your choice meant that you could also define your ways and, as he said it, become like God. But folks, I'm sorry to say this. None of us are God. None of us are God. And none of our choices will lead us to Godness. It's only God that can restore us. However, in order for that to happen, we need to let go of this fan thing. Stop living in a traded spaces approach to life. Because the point is a makeover requires a takeover. The only solution to the deep need we all have is to allow Christ to come into our lives, turning over the keys and letting him loose to do the work that he does. John 10.10 10 says the thief comes only in order to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I come, meaning Christ comes, so that you may have life, to enjoy life, to have an abundant life, to the full, a life that overflows in the now and into eternity. Folks, that cannot happen until we're willing to let him in. 
allowing him to transform us from the inside out. Like I said, there was always danger with trading spaces that the renovation, and we, we do it. Like I said, we kind of live our lives like trading spaces. We let people talk into our lives and we renovate and we remodel. We try to fix. We try to do the things that people are telling us to do and we conform to what people are saying, both of the world and even in Christianity. Conform, conform, conform. But in that case, we're all dependent on a designer that doesn't have the ability to truly do the makeover that we need. Things can only get screwed up when we choose the wrong design. So, this morning when you entered the worship center, you chose a key, or you, you received a key. Now I'm going to ask that you find that key now. Just, just take that key out. I just want you to hold it in your, your hand. Just hold it for just a second. If I just give some time here. I've given you this key um, because I wanted it to serve as a tangible reminder to you that you hold the key. Let me, let me make sure you hear this very clearly. You hold the key. Though God may have the right to do so, God does not bust down the door of our lives to claim what is already his and rightfully his. Rather, he says in Revelation 3.20, it's a beautiful little verse. Here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with that person and they with me. Folks, I want to say to you very clearly, because I don't know, I don't always have opportunity to be up here, and so I don't want to waste my opportunity with you. Your presence here at Central Christian College is a clear indication that God is knocking on the door of your life. You are not here. Excuse me. You are not here by accident. You are here because God has a purpose for your life. And I don't want you to waste it. I don't want you to miss the opportunity for God to do an incredible work in your life. And so this morning, I'm going to ask as the worship team just kind of leads us through a, a point of reflection. Um, I'm going to ask you to wrestle with that decision. To listen. Is God knocking? Is God knocking? And I'm going to ask you to make a decision about that knock. To either ignore it or to open that door. Now for some of you that may mean that you need to take that key and after we dismiss you walk away with that key. But I'm going to ask you to keep it. Don't ever get rid of it. Because I want you to, every time you look at that key, every time you see it, wherever you try to hide it or wherever you try to put it, that it's a reminder to you that you alone hold the key to allowing God to come in and do an extreme makeover. That's your choice. On the other side, if you are, are willing to maybe make that, that decision this morning to say, God, I, I, you know, I don't even know what it all means. 
I don't understand all that yet, but God, I, w- I want that to start. I want that transformation. Because what we know from scriptures, it's a transformation that happens in a moment and then continues all throughout our lives. So I'm going to give you two ways to do this this morning. One, there's a, there's a little hands down here. Um, and if during the time you want to do that, then I'm going to ask you just to come down and put your key in those hands, representing your willingness to turn the key of your life over to Christ. If you want to stay and pray, that's great. There'll be people here that can pray with you. Or if you just need to go and meditate on that, that's great. Um, I'm also going to ask something else. Faculty and staff, I don't know who is here this morning. I prayed about this. Um, can you just get up out of your seats? Faculty and staff, now. If you, if you can, if you have children, I understand that. Can you just come down a- around the walls here, this, this wall and this wall, please? Faculty and staff. Spread yourselves out. You can, you come down, Charlie. You're good. Here's the other thing I'm going to do for you. And this is a big risk for me. Sometimes I understand that it's hard to understand what to do. This world gives us so many different messages, and how do I respond? How do I do this Jesus thing? All of these people have dedicated their lives to this mission, this vision. Um, If you need a designer, if you need someone to come in, because both these shows, one of the wonderful things about both these shows, you you know, is there was always a host that kind of worked the family through the process. So I just want to invite you, if if maybe you want to make that decision, maybe it's not to come down here, maybe it's to walk over to one of these people, maybe it's someone you don't even know, but you've seen from afar and you respect their lives or something, and you want to walk up, just hand them the key. Because in handing them the key, I'm going to ask that they become responsible then to be your host through your extreme makeover. That you they would assist you. So choose wisely. And maybe that person's not in this room this morning. If they're not here, and that's fine, then hold your keys. Take care of that later. But folks, don't miss the chance. Stop living in trading spaces world. And faculty and staff, if no one comes to you, just pray. Or come down here and pray with someone else or come down here. That's fine. But students, don't miss the chance to stop living in a trading spaces lifestyle. Allow God to do an incredible work. I promise you, you risk nothing by risking everything if you just give your life to Jesus. Would you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, you are a good, wonderful, and holy God. And we know, we know, we know even right now as we sit here in these moments, you are knocking on the doors of our lives. Father, you are such a good God that you don't force your way in. You just wait. You wait until we open the door through which then you enter and fulfill all your promises. So God, speak to the hearts of every student in this room, our faculty, our staff. Help us to respond as you desire us to respond. We pray in Jesus' name.